You're listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast, where we believe that every teacher deserves a coach, and every coach does too. I'm Chrissy Beltran, an instructional coach, resource creator, and coffee enthusiast. And I'm your host. Stay tuned for practical tips and honest coaching talk that will help you coach with confidence. Hey coaches, welcome back to an episode of Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast. I am so excited to have you here today because I am talking about a topic that is really important. Um, Over the last few episodes, I've taken you through some different methods that you can use when you are coaching teachers uh, in order to have real impact in their classroom and to grow them and support them wherever they are. Today, we're going to talk about something that coaches are often asked to do and that they are often not taught how to do, and that thing is collaborative planning. When you plan with a grade level or a content area, what does that look like? Um, To get started, I am going to share with you a truly horrific story that happened to me. I felt like it was horrific. Um, My first day of planning PLC. We used to do Tuesdays and our PLCs were 90 minutes dedicated to planning. So one week I would have uh, kinder, second and fourth grade and my math and science counterpart, because I was a literacy coach, my math and science counterpart would have first, third and fifth grade and we each had them for 90 minute blocks and we were tasked with planning 90, excuse me, within those 90 minutes, we were tasked with planning for two weeks of instruction in our content areas. So I was supposed to plan for reading, writing, and social studies. I know that's a lot, right? And it, it was a lot. <laughs> um, and it was even more if you approached it the way that we did. So <laughs> here's what happened. My very first day of planning P- PLC was an absolute disaster. It made me feel like I wanted to leave coaching and retreat back to my fourth grade classroom where I at least knew what I, I was doing. Um, It was rough, really rough. So here's what happened. I was prepared. It was like my second week as an instructional coach. I was new to this campus, so I didn't really know the teachers very well. I had given one full day of PD during in-service week, and I had, you know, helped hand out textbooks and set up my room, and I had all these grand plans, because don't we all have grand plans? And I made these adorable little pencil treats out of Rolos and Hershey Kisses, (laughs) Because that was my priority, people. (laughs) I was going to win them over with candy, okay? I mean, it doesn't hurt, but it doesn't also really work. (laughs) So (laughs) I had some music playing in my room. I had requested snacks from the office. And I had baskets of resources that we might need because we were planning for the start of the year. So I was like, okay, we're going to get our reader's workshop going. We need to have a conversation about how kids are going to respond to their reading. We need to start doing some mini lessons, getting them to choose just right books. I mean, I had, you know, the framework in my mind of the way that I had approached teaching in the classroom for years. And so what I had envisioned was a group of teachers sharing ideas, and then each leaving with their own plan that suited their class's needs and their style, their teaching style. So I created sort of a more general plan that involved what I called learning experiences. And I imagined that we would kind of discuss different kinds of things around the topic that we could help kids do in order to get good at something. Uh, We want them to be able to know and do X, Y, Z. So these are some things we can do with the kids. And these are some things we can have them do. And then over time, teachers could kind of structure that into their own framework. That's what I envisioned. Um, That is not what happened, guys. (laughs) What actually happened was a group of teachers sat in my PLC room 
complaining about the lesson plan format, telling me they didn't understand it, informing me they had no idea of what they were supposed to be doing, saying they were confused about all the, quote, new practices the district was expecting, and I thought those had been in place for a long time because I had been to district trainings and that's, we did the balanced literacy model. So I was not expecting to hear that this was new to this campus. So they weren't prepared for the unit. They came in not knowing what unit we were going to see. They were like, oh, how do I access this curriculum? Not all. And this, of course, always, these are generalizations. There were individuals who were not fitting this mold. They were prepared. They were excited. They were on it. They needed the support. Um, But a lot of teachers were not. They didn't have the background on their own grade level standards necessarily. So they were talking about teaching things that I was like, oh, that's not really like a third grade thing. That's going to go in a different grade level. Um, They didn't have an understanding of the assessment, which was new to our state at the time. It had only been in place for one year and they had released very little information about it. And they didn't really understand the framework that we were being asked to use of balanced literacy with the components of shared reading and read aloud and independent reading, word study. They didn't have the familiarity with that. So the year was barely underway. They were expressing that they felt very lost and I was lost as well because I had no idea how to help them. I felt obliterated. My plans for that day were crushed because I did not know my teachers. I did not know what they needed and we did not have a common language. We were speaking from two completely different philosophical frameworks and and we didn't even know it. <laughs> we thought we were communicating, but we were not. And so basically that day felt like a wasted day. And in retrospect, it was not wasted because it's what we had to go through to get where we got, to end up in a place where we could plan and communicate together fairly effectively. But at first, it was not a good feeling. And I wouldn't wish it on anyone. I was just miserable by the end of the day. And probably the teachers were too, because they probably walked out of my room going, here's another person who isn't going to help us. So over time, we figured some things out. And I'm going to share with you what we figured out so you can start thinking about how to put some of these things in place on your own campus if they're already not in place, or some adjustments you could make if you have maybe a system that's working pretty well, but you'd like to see it improve or change. So here's what we did. I adopted kind of a before planning, during planning, and after planning approach myself, my own personal self. (laughs) This is the way that I thought about PLC. And so before planning, the idea was that we had to communicate with teachers that everyone had to come prepared in some way, shape, or form. They needed to review the curriculum in advance so they knew where we were going. Because if you walk into a room and find out, oh, are we starting a unit on persuasive text? all right, cool. You are not prepared to have that conversation. You do not have any of your resources with you that you could actually use to plan for that unit. And you are not familiar with the vocabulary or the questioning, or you haven't had time to brainstorm any strategies. You're just walking in and saying, tell me what to do. And that's not what PLC is. It's a professional learning community, not a directive. It's not that one person says, this is what you should be doing. It's that we all share our ideas and put together the plans that reflect the best of those ideas. So that is what we need to make sure that teachers are clear about. If you come prepared, we can have better conversations and create better plans. And if If you don't, the plans that we walk away are not going to reflect what you want to have happen in your classroom. So that was before planning. Everybody had to do some sort of prep work. We actually had in our grade level teams, the teachers decided who was going to be responsible for doing the majority of pre-planning for each subject area. So for example, in reading, 
let's say that one teacher, um, Miss uh, Newport, was going to be responsible for doing most of the pre-planning for reading. And then Miss um, Sanchez was going to do most of the pre-planning for writing. And another teacher would cover math and a different would cover science and somebody else would cover social studies. And so that way, at least one person brought the stuff. You don't want every person bringing all their stuff to PLC. It's a lot to carry with you. But if one person can say, oh, you know what? I have a a copy of that resource. I'll grab it and take it with me. Or if one person can kind of check on the other teachers and say, hey, do you have a copy of this? I'd like to bring it to PLC. Then you can have a collection of resources to look at because that one person has sort of done a little legwork before that day. Now, I also had overplanned and overprepared just in case. And it's not that I wanted to feed them things if they were lost, but if teachers were like, you know what? I'm new to this grade level and I've never taught this before. What are some cool activities we could do? And if they're kind of stuck, I wanted to have something that I could contribute because I was a member of the team as well, right? It's a community. And I'm a member of that community. And as my in my role as an instructional coach, my job is to push the envelope and provide support and push the envelope and provide support. So I wanted to make sure that I had some ideas prepared that could push the envelope, but also that I could support teachers with possible resources or ideas if they were stuck. So um, definitely do your own homework. If you walk into pre, to, to a planning session with teachers and you don't know what's coming, you're not really considered um, credible. And you're always having to prove your credibility with teachers. So, you know, you want to set that up, set up your teachers for success by setting yourself up for success as well. Um, Also, right before our planning PLC, I would send a reminder email about the unit um, and what curriculum they should look over, a couple things maybe to think about, and maybe a couple things we were going to check in on because we often had to check in on things like writing collections. Do we have all of our pieces in there that we need to have for this point in the year? Have we submitted our data for whatever we had to submit data for? Um, checking in on certain things that were just kind of ongoing check-ins that we did. And I had a little list and I would let teachers know that was coming. And then on the day of, I would also check in on that. So during planning, the first little chunk of time, like I said, I had 90 minutes, but the first 10 minutes during planning, I dedicated to building the content that we were going to plan about. So it's kind of like a mini PD and this worked differently for us, you know, different years, depending on our structures. But one really great tip is to provide a top five things to know about whatever it is that you're approaching to plan about. It's like a little guide, like a cheat sheet for teachers, and it helps uh, teachers have some background information in case they haven't had that before. So for example, if you say, um, top five things that you need to know about fiction, because you're going to plan a unit on fiction, one of the the things they might need to know is that fiction often follows a consistent plot structure, especially in elementary school. A lot of the literature that we read follows a fairly consistent structure of fiction that includes the exposition, the conflict, rising action, etc. That might be one thing they need to know. Another thing that they need to know could be that fiction has many subgenres and different subgenres are categorized that way for different reasons. Um, another thing they would need to know is about the author's purpose for writing fiction. Don't tell your kids that fiction is fake. This, I'm teachers may be flipping out right now because they love to tell kids that fiction is fake. Fiction is not fake, guys. That's really confusing. And when we tell kids fiction is fake, nonfiction is real, and then kids go and read a realistic fiction story or a historical fiction story, they get super confused and they're like, well, I don't really know what this is. So we want to make sure to be accurate. So those top five 
things to know about whatever topic that you're going to approach, that's to make sure teachers have accurate information to plan with. You can also address some common misconceptions by using those top five things. The next step is to have a purposeful agenda. And of course, you'd want to send this out to teachers beforehand. But the idea is that you are going to walk away with plans for each component that you're planning for. They might not be super detailed yet because it might be impossible to get to that degree of detail in the time frame that you have. Every now and then, you might choose a lesson to go a little deeper in and really talk about what that could look like if teachers are unsure or if, they, if one has an idea that they need to express a little, little more clarity. But for the most part, you want to make sure that teachers know what they're doing for each content area. They know what resources they're planning on using, and they have an idea of um, where this where they're headed. So they need to have a time to review the assessment. And if it's a performance assessment or like a multiple choice or an open-ended assessment, they need to know where they're headed so that they can address that kind of thing throughout their teaching. Because whenever we provide kids with a lot of teaching about one thing and it's taught in a certain way and then we assess them in a completely different way, it's not really fair to them because that's kind of like a pre-assessment. <laughs> we still haven't taught them that thing yet. So we want to make sure that teachers have the opportunity to review the assessment as well. So as part of your agenda, reviewing the assessment is going to be on there and then walking away with those plans that help teachers be prepared for what they're actually going to do in the classroom. So the next step in the planning process is, this is what we would do together. We brainstorm ideas on a planning organizer and then use a calendar to plug in a day-to-day -day focus. So for example, if we were planning a huge unit on fiction and some of the standards that we were covering within that unit in our two-week time frame were about character analysis, we'd really break down that standard and identify what ideas we had for teaching character analysis, what resources or mentor texts we had that would be especially great for uh, working through character analysis with kids and making sure they had opportunities to apply it. What little check-ins could we do? Checks for understanding to make sure kids were understanding the concept. And what would our assessment look like? We also talked about responses for reading because if we're following a balanced literacy model, then during independent reading, kids are often applying that mini lesson into their reading. So we talked about that as well and we included that on the planner. These were all of our big ideas. And then we looked at a calendar and we said, let's sequence these ideas logically. What do kids have to do in order to be able to master these skills that we're asking them to master and give them enough time to apply them? So we would look at a calendar, we would mark off all of the dates that were just non-usable, <laughs> sometimes they are. Um, if you have in-service, for example, or if you know half of that day is an early release day, or perhaps kids have a special event with PE that's going to take up the whole morning. So we'd mark all those days on there first. And then we would schedule out our lessons uh, in a logical order. So if we were going to do some read aloud and maybe we were going to use um, uh, any small goodness and we were going to pull out a little bit at a time to practice character analysis, then we would mark actually which pages and which chapter we were going to read and what our purpose question was going to be for each day for read aloud. And then if we had ideas for shared reading, we'd plug those in logically as well. After planning, someone was responsible for typing up those plans to the grade level in a format that reflected the components. Because one thing that I have learned is if it's not written down in a realistic fashion, it is not happening. No matter what you do to plan in that classroom with you and your teachers, 
it will not transfer back to their classroom if they don't have a realistic plan. So we even included timeframes on there because teachers had an aligned schedule of when they did certain components. So we had on there, for example, if read aloud was at nine o'clock from nine to nine twenty, then we'd say nine to nine twenty, read aloud, and this is our purpose question, this is our text, and this is how kids are going to respond to it during read aloud. For example, um, the teacher would would format all of those plans and send them out the Friday before they were meant to be delivered, and so teachers kind of had a little time to you know get those um, prepared if they needed to. But on top of that, they'd already sat through the planning session, so they knew what was coming. They'd already participated and shared their ideas, so it's not like it was a brand new plan that they were looking at that they'd never seen before. So these are some tips to help teachers collaborate with you to create the best possible plan. And I'm just going to kind of summarize really quickly so you have the big ideas. Remember, before planning, everybody needs to come prepared. They need to bring resources, materials, and ideas, and send them an email with that agenda with uh, also the unit number and the curriculum that you're going to be discussing if they have like an online curriculum or resource that you use to plan. During planning, build content knowledge at the very beginning. Huge tip, and I can't recommend it enough. If you walk away with one thing, that's my recommendation to you. Add that 10 minute of content knowledge building. Then have that purposeful agenda where everybody's going to walk away with a plan for each component. Use a planning process that starts by generating lots of ideas and then structure your ideas in a logical sequence. And then after planning, have someone be responsible for typing up and sharing out those plans. And I do not recommend that that someone is you because if that becomes your responsibility, you're slowly taking on all the jobs that teachers use to help them grow in their practice. One of, thing, one of the things that teachers do that helps them grow is to think through lesson planning. And if we take that away from them, then they don't get the opportunity to grow in that area. So here's my takeaway for you that I learned the hard way. You want to start where your teachers are, not where you like them to be. I tried to plan with teachers in the way that I liked to plan which was a collection of ideas that I sort of worked together across the content areas to complement each other and everything was integrated. But that was overwhelming when we sat in a room with five people planning for two weeks at a time. So instead, we backtracked and scaffolded the learning and created a consistent structure that teachers could follow and contribute within. And that made all the difference. So that's what I hope you walk away with today. Um, your next steps, I really want you to think about asking the teachers in your at your school, how would you like planning to work this year? What changes should we make? How can we make this work for us? Okay. And so what I want you to do also is go on onto the show notes on my blog, uh, buzzingwithmissb.com, and you can actually get a download of the of a sample of the five things to know about whatever topic that you're planning for to give you an idea of what that can look like. So definitely head to the blog, check out that free download, grab it today so you can get an idea of how you can frame that for teachers in a way that will support building that content knowledge at the beginning of your planning. Thanks so much for listening. Next week, I'm going to talk about eight tips for digging into data. If you are not a data person, this is going to be the episode for you because it is going to make it real and purposeful and it's not just going to sound like a bunch of numbers. So I look forward to talking to you next week and happy coaching.
Thank you for listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast. Want more coaching ideas? Check me out at buzzingwithmissb.com and on Instagram at buzzingwithmissb. If you love the show, share it with a coach who would love it too, or leave me a review on iTunes. It's free and it helps others find this show. Happy coaching. Happy coaching.